Bibles tonight. Bibles. Turn in your Bibles tonight to Revelation chapter 3. The people listening online said they got a guest speaker tonight. Brother Guy Beaumont with you tonight. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3. And <clears throat> when you get there, find verse 14. And that's where we'll start tonight. The last of the seven churches. Been talking about them. And if we're, uh, if we're where we where I think that we are in life on the timeline of God, and of course only God knows, but if we're where I think we are, we're not far from being to chapter 4, verse 1. Amen? That's the rapture. <laughs> I think Jesus is coming. His coming's getting closer every day now. You know, we don't know. Nobody knows the hour nor the day when he's actually going to Split that eastern sky, amen. We don't, we don't know. He's coming in the clouds, but um, uh, I believe that we ought to be looking for him. I believe there's a special blessing for those that uh, the, uh, Paul said that love his appearing. Do you love his appearing? In other words, are you looking for his appearing? If you love somebody, you look for him, amen. Uh, when I've been away from my wife for a while, I'm looking for her. I'm looking forward to come down the driveway. I'm looking forward to come home so I can get me a little kissy. Amen. And uh, uh, if you love Jesus tonight, you're looking for him. You're looking for him. Um, and I'm, I'm getting my, trying to get my house in order. Amen. Uh, I want to be found serving the Lord when he comes back. But um, tonight we're going to talk about the, the church in Laodicea. And it's interesting uh, the church of Laodicea uh, is not very far from the church in Philadelphia. Uh, actually, a lot of these churches were really close together. But he says in verse 14, under the church, I'm sorry, under the angel of the church of the Laodiceans, right? These things saith the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Now, not careful, that'll throw you for a loop right there. Uh, we'll get back to that in just a moment. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then, because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire that thou mayest be rich and white raiment that thou mayest be clothed and that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear and anoint thine eyes with eye salve that thou mayest see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him and he with me. To him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I saw also I overcame I also overcame and am set down with my father in his throne. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. Let's pray. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we pray that your will would be done tonight. God, I pray that the people would receive a blessing for being here and hearing your word. Lord, we know there's a, a special blessing just from reading the book of Revelation, God just from reading it or just from hearing it, God, even. I thank you for that, and, and what a blessing it is to, to think 
about your coming, Jesus. You're coming back to get us one day. We believe that. We know that for a fact. And we're looking forward to it, Lord Jesus. We're looking forward to you coming. We're looking forward to being with you. We're looking forward to being like you. But I believe we're living in the last days, Lord. Uh, your apostles even said that in your word, Lord. But we're closer and closer and closer to your coming, God, even though it, it could be another thousand years. But with you, Lord, that's only like another day. But wh whatever it is, God, we want to look for your coming. We want to tell others about Jesus. And, God, we know that this Laodicean church age that we're living in, God, there's so much evil around us, God. Evil abounds. Uh, more than probably it ever has, God, or, or, it, or at least it's getting close, God. You said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. Um, and so I, I don't know if we're exactly in Noah's days yet, but, Lord, there's a lot of evil around us. There's more people on the earth than I guess what there ever has been, and uh, there's more evil, it seems like, on the earth than there ever has been. And, Lord, I pray that you would just uh, protect us from that let us take your word tonight, God. Let it sink into our hearts and into our minds, God. Mold us and make us into what you'd have us to be. Touch me, God, with your Holy Spirit tonight. Uh, touch us all, Holy Spirit. Come down and be with us. Be among us tonight. Let tonight be something special, Lord, uh, as a, every other church service, Lord, that we have here. Let it be something special, God. Uh, let us leave here tonight with a, a level of knowledge and wisdom that we didn't have before. And just bless us tonight and draw us closer to thee. In Jesus' name, amen. Unto the angel or the messenger, the pastor of the church of the Laodiceans, write. Laodicea, by the way, uh, you could come up with a few different meanings for this, but I've always heard it said it's a rule of the people. And uh, if you look it up, uh, look up the word, you're going to see something similar to that. It really means the same thing, but you're going to see something similar to that. The rule of the people. Uh, Leo means uh, laity and, uh, in that, so you know he's talking about the people, but he says the, there'll be a, a day, there'll be an age where the people will be in control or the people will try to rule. We know ultimately God is in control. But there'll come a day when people think that they rule everything. Uh, today, the day and age that we live in, people everywhere think they're in control of their own lives. They're doing everything. They're going to work every day. Uh, they're doing their own thing. Uh, people around us, all kind of people around us lost and on their way to hell tonight. And the even the church... Even the church today, of the Laodicean church age, which I believe is us today, it's the, it's the last days. It's, I told you all before, I believe these are uh, historical marker points of the church age, and Laodicea is the last of the seven churches, so I believe this is a picture of the modern-day church more than any. We can, we can actually go to all of these churches in here, with maybe the exception of Philadelphia, and we can look at these churches and we can say, yeah, I see that today. Yeah, I see that today. I see that in our church, or I see that in another church, or I see that in the modern day, um, uh, this uh, new age worship services and stuff. I see that in the church. <clears throat> I see these kind of people in our church, so on and so forth. But the rule of the people, I would submit to you today, there's a lot of people today that don't like authority. There's a lot of people today that don't like the, the rule of God over them. They want to rule their own being. They don't want anybody telling them what to do. We live in a day to, today uh, with uh, young people that don't want to be told what to do. Uh, we got young people today, <clears throat> young adults even, and uh, even up to, you know, if, and if this gets you, some of you in this, I'm not necessarily speaking to you. I'm just trying to give you a general scope of what I see. And I could be wrong about some of this, but I think a lot of the older folks in the room would say amen to this. If you about even up to 30, 40 years old, maybe even 50. I'm 50 years old, maybe in that area. Most people in that age group do not want to be told what to do. They don't want to be told what to do. Now, that don't mean that you, you are in that. You may be in that age group, but that don't mean that that's you tonight. 
But I'm telling you tonight, there's a lot of people in this world. I, I went to school with a lot of them. And uh, even when I was going to school with them, their parents did not teach them to obey authority. Their parents did not teach them to obey authority. They don't like authority. They don't like nobody telling them what to do. And they especially don't like a preacher standing in a pulpit and dogmatically proclaiming the word of God and telling them what they should be doing. But I don't do this, uh, preachers don't do this, by the way, for their health. <laughs> uh, they don't do it to win friends and influence people. Uh, we preach the word of God because that's what we're supposed to do. Uh, and a lot of things we say are uncomfortable. Um, I know there's, uh, there's words that I use out of the King James Bible, and I can't help what the words are, but there's some people that don't like the words. They don't like what the words mean uh, because it convicts them. It convicts them. It shows them what they are before God. But thank God tonight that uh, a lot of those things for you, uh, if you've been saved, those are things of your past, and Jesus has forgiven you of them. But that doesn't mean that we should not preach about them for the generations of people that have not been saved. We're supposed to lift up our voice and tell people about the works of God. We're supposed to tell people about God. We're supposed to tell people that there's a thing called righteousness and holiness and that's the kind of thing God wants out of his people. Just because we've been saved we shouldn't have a license to sin. Amen? And so uh, that's why we talk about it. But see not, nobody wants to talk about that nowadays. The Laodicean church age just wants you to make everything smooth. They want you to just say smooth words. They want you to be Joel Osteen. They want you to come to church and just have you feel good. They don't want you to pet the cat backwards and ruffle the, the fur on the cat, amen. They want you to just make it smooth. Don't, don't make any waves. Don't make anybody mad. And if you say anything uncomfortable, and it's amazing how many people think when I preach on stuff, they think, and I did the same thing, I did the same thing, they think that I've been following them around. They said, boy, you nailed me tonight. You must have been following me around, you know. No, I'm just preaching the Bible, folks. I don't, I don't go in the Bible and, well, let me see what I can find to nail uh, Brother Tom tonight. He's an easy target. Let me guess, what can, I, what can I get to nail him? What can I get on old Robert tonight? Uh, I'm just, I'm just uh, got, a, I got a, a problem with him. I'm going to nail his hide to the wall tonight. I, I don't really do that. I know it seems that way sometimes, but I don't. But a lot of people today uh, don't want to be told what to do. I thank God that y'all come here and y'all listen to me preach. And if you can listen to my preaching and, and keep coming back, you must love me and you must love the Lord. Because uh, sometimes some of the things that I say are not easy to, to swallow. Uh, but I'm going to tell you something. During the week, brother, that's what I like to listen to. I like somebody to tell me that. Tell me how sorry I am. Tell me how low down I am and then tell me about how Jesus delivered me out of all of it. Amen. I like that kind of thing. Preach it hard. I don't like these little mealy mouth preachers. And when I want to hear the truth, I want to hear it. Give it to me straight. Preach it hard. Stomp on me a little bit. I'll get over it. Amen. Um, but it'll make you strong. It'll make you better. But in the Laodicean church age, there's a lot of people that don't like that. They don't like that. They don't want to be told the truth. They want to be, they want to be, uh, they want teachers with itching ears, amen? Uh, they want somebody to tell them what they want to hear, not what they need to hear. And so that's the, that's the kind of people that we're talking about here. And there's some things that you should know about Laodicea that'll maybe make some sense to you. It'll maybe pull some things together for you. Laodicea was very rich. They were very wealthy. It was an area... Of, uh, and as you can imagine, some these churches, uh, where these churches are, there's a lot of these areas that there was a lot of wealth. Uh, <clears throat> now, they're not, they're not ev like every one of the rest of the churches, but this area was very rich. Probably the, this is probably the richest, most wealthy uh, city of this time that we've talked about thus far. Very wealthy. They were known for bank and trade, a lot of banking and trading in this area. Uh, just like all of the rest of them, uh, the rest of these uh, uh, areas, it was a very idolatrous area, uh, area, very idolatrous city, many many idols, just like the rest of them. And I've mentioned some of them before, uh, you know, uh, your uh, Zeus and uh, uh, 
anyway, you got several gods, Aphroditus. Uh, there, there's all kind of gods that they worship, just like the rest of them. But a couple of other things that they were really into in Laodicea, and this is interesting to me, a couple of other things that they were very into in Laodicea was sports and music. They were into sports and music and entertainment also, theater. They were into theater. They were into, now they didn't have motion pictures back then, you know, uh, go to a movie theater, but they had theater. They loved uh, entertainment. They were eat up with entertainment. Folks, today, America is the richest country in the world by far. It's not even, it's not even close. Now, that may change in the years to come. China's probably right there. Now, China's, China's probably more advanced than we are in a lot of ways now uh, with things. Uh, but America is still the wealthiest nation in the world. It's the most feared nation in the world. Very rich, very wealthy. We're known for banking and trading. We're not known so much anymore for uh, manufacturing. We're known for banking and trading and, um, you know. But anyway, America also is eat up with its own idols. And our idols are found in sports. They're found in music. They're found in entertainment. They're found, they're found in all of these venues. Isn't that interesting? We're in the Laodicean church age. And we resemble perfectly what the Laodicea city looked like of those days. Very wealthy, filled with idols. They had a renowned school of medicine here in this city. They had a um, they had a Phrygian a Phrygian P H R Y G I A N. This is uh, Laodicea was in the area or the uh, state or whatever, if you will, of of uh, Phrygia, but there was a Phrygian powder that was uh, that they manufactured here that was for weak and sick eyes, and it was manufactured there. I thought that was interesting. Um, God says, in in spite of their uh, claim, He says that they have need of nothing. God has some things to say about them in this passage that's very interesting. And it seems like, just to look at them from, we do a fly, flyover and think, man, look at all that wealth. Boy, they don't need anything, do they? They got everything. Uh, this would be a city, I, I would equate this to like New York City or Los Angeles or um, Dallas or, you know, your, your really wealthy, big cities in, in America. Um, lots of money. Uh, people that would go you know, to the, to the car dealership. They didn't have cars back then, but just say if they did, they would, it's the kind of people that would go to a car dealership and they wouldn't have to finance a vehicle. They'd flop the cash out on the table for it. Amen. Uh, yeah. Chariots. <laughs> Mercedes chariot dealership. <clears throat> These were the kind of people that could do that kind of thing. Uh, very, very wealthy. And, um, uh, you would, you would look at this city from afar and you would think, man, they've got everything. You know, this would be the kind of city that you'd go to, I think about uh, like Minneapolis. You go to Minneapolis. I've never been there, but they say uh, in, uh, I say Minneapolis, Minnesota. Is it Minneapolis that has the malls or is it a, okay. They got the biggest shopping mall in the world, I believe it is, in, in Minneapolis. And uh uh, you ladies, it, it, back in the day, you would have loved shopping at Laodicea, except for my wife. She don't like shopping. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Amen. She likes to shop at Goodwill. Now, that's a real woman right there. I tell you what, that'll save you some money, fellas. You're going to go find a wife. Find, don't find one that wants to go to the shopping mall. Find one that likes Goodwill, and you got a winner. Amen. But uh, <laughs> uh, praise God. I like that. Uh, but anyway, um, but if you looked at Laodicea, you'd think, man, these people got it figured out. They got everything. They got the finest chariots, Thomas. They've got the finest theater. They've got the best sports. Uh, they've got the, the, the best music. And these people worship these people. They worship their sports people just like we do. They worship their music just like we do. They worship their entertainers just like we do. And it seemed like they had everything going for them. And the church that's here in the middle of Laodicea, it's pretty much just like the rest of the city. 
No, no real difference be, between them. He says, These things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness, the amen. When I think about amen, of course, this is Jesus speaking of himself, but when I think about amen, I think about the end of a prayer. We say amen. That's the end of it. Um, but Jesus says, uh, These things saith the amen, the faithful and true witness. Jesus is faithful and true. He's actually called that. Uh, in the, over in Revelation in another place uh, he that sat upon the horse is called faithful and true amen Jesus is faithful and true but he says the faithful and true witness he says the beginning of the creation of God now you say now wait a minute now Jesus you tell us all the time preacher that Jesus was not a created being and that first when you read that you think that sounds like it's making Jesus a created being but that's not really what it's saying. What that's really saying is uh, that Jesus was there at creation. He said first he was the amen. Uh, in other words, he's the, he's the end of all things, but he's also the beginning of all things. What did he say in the first two chapters? Uh, first chapter for sure. I think there's something in the second chapter too about it. But he says, I am the alpha and the omega in the Greek alphabet. The alpha is the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Uh, the omega is the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He says, I am the first and I am the last. Amen. And everything in between. Amen. Um, there's nothing that Jesus has not been around to see. Jesus was not a created being. And see, this is where you need to, uh, to put scripture with scripture. And the people say, well, the Bible contradicts itself. No, it doesn't. It's the way that it's written. It's the way that it's written. He was the beginning. He was there in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word, which is Jesus Christ, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was there in the beginning. So he's not a creation, but he was there at creation. That's what he's saying. And he'll be there in the end as well. The amen. I know thy works, that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou work cold or hot. You know what God hates? God hates indifference. God hates indifference. You know what indifference is? It's somebody that really won't stand on anything. It's somebody that really can't make up their mind and take a stand one way or the other. I believe God has more respect for somebody that uh, at least he knows where they stand, somebody that might curse the name of God, and never set foot in a church. Now, I'm not saying God is going to be merciful to anybody like that because he won't. But I believe God's almost got more respect for somebody that would do that than for somebody that's just going to ride the fence. I can't decide if I'm up here with God or if I'm down here with the world. And then sometimes I come over here, you know, and then I'll, oh, I better get back. And I get over here and I shout for a little while and then I get back here and I'm still, you know, this is, this is what my Christianity looks like. You can't even walk straight because you're indifferent. You won't take a stand. God says, Jesus says here, I know thy works. In other words, what were their works? They were on again, off again. On again, off again. I'm going to serve God. I got other things to do, preacher. I can't come today. I'm going to go witness and I'm going to win some people to Jesus. I got to go make some money. And uh, I got to do this. I got to do that. And they're all over the place. All over the place. Uh, no, no real dedication to God. That is what Laodicea was. It was a church that had no real dedication to God. They were on again, off again. Up again, down again. They were a roller coaster. That's what they did. Up and down, up and down. Kind of like life, you know. Life is a roller coaster. We have our ups and downs. <clears throat> but some of us, Paul said there's such a thing called sin and he said it so easily besets us. I heard this the other day and I had forgotten about this illustration. But a uh, man talking about horse. Y'all ever watch uh, Little House on the Prairie or uh, Bonanza? And they, anyway, like you see a stagecoach or whatever, they put those blinders on the, on the horse's eyes, uh, on the sides, you know, to keep them keep them focused on the road. I'm sure there's other reasons for it, but they keep them focused. They're not looking this way. 
They're not looking that way. They're focused on what's in front of them. What's in front of you tonight, God has plainly laid out in the Word of God, and you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. Amen? You need to put some spiritual blinders on tonight and put your eyes on Jesus and press forward. Amen? That's what we need to do as a church. But Laodicea didn't do that. They were on again, off again. They got distracted very easily. Very easily they got distracted. They got beset. I believe there was, based on what God is saying here in this passage, I believe there were a lot of lost people in the church of Laodicea. <clears throat> but he says, I would rather, I, if I, I would, thou work. In other words, I would rather if, that you would be cold or hot. If you were cold, at least I'd know what you are. At least I know that the man that's not going to church today and he's never entered the, the church door and he's, uh, he's uh, blatantly against God, at least I know where that man stands. But then I got a bunch of people that tell me that they love me and they never come to church. I love the brethren. I love Mercy Baptist Church, Brother Jeff, and I'll be back, but they never come. God don't have no respect for that. That's that on-again, off-again religion. That's, that's, by the way, that's religion. That's not a relationship with God. God don't like religion. He likes you to worship him. Put him in his proper place. And so then, because thou art lukewarm, he said, and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. This is the illustration we always go to, but um, Gina like this. <laughs> I want my coffee hot. Yeah. <laughs> strong enough to put hair on your chest, amen. <laughs> well, maybe not that strong for you. But she, she drinks that stuff with chicory in it. Chicory. Um, but anyway, um, I, I want my coffee hot, and yeah, that's right. I don't, I don't want it real weak neither. I want it to be at least good medium. I mean, I don't like no... I, when I pour it, I better not be able to see through it. Amen? I want some strong coffee. Um, and uh, then I'll uh, put a little creamer in it. Miss Gina drinks hers black. My wife puts so much creamer in hers, you can't tell if she's drinking coffee. Amen? She likes a little coffee with a creamer. And I think uh, um, maybe a Kelsey likes it that way too. But uh, anyway... <laughs> um, but anyway, I want, it, I want it strong, but I, and I, I'm, believe it or not, I know there's some of you that don't like this, but uh, I like cold coffee. I like it cold. Put some ice in that thing. I like it cold, too. But when that cup's been sitting there, now this morning I got done preaching, and I went back there. I think, it, no, 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 I take it back. I wasn't done. It was in the Sunday school, and the cup I'd had sitting there for about an hour, um, it, uh, it wasn't hot anymore. It wasn't in between. It had actually gotten cold, and I drank the rest of it. I just, just drank it right down, and that didn't bother me a bit. But you know what I don't like? I don't like it when it's right in between, and you can't really tell what it is. God don't like it when you get in between. He looks down on you at your life, and he can't really tell what you are. He can't tell if you're walking with him or if you're walking with the world. The only thing he knows is he can look at your spirit, and he can say, yeah, that's my child. Uh, no, that's not my child. That's all he can look at. But these people that ride these fence riders, are you a fence rider tonight? You an indifferent religious person if that's what you are. God hates that. He said, I'd just soon spew you out of my mouth as to, as to deal with you. Does that mean they were lost? Uh, I don't, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that we can get to a point in our Christian walk where if we're not standing up and standing out for Jesus, he's like... Get out of here. I ain't got no use for you. He says, you're neither cold nor hot. I'll spew thee out of my mouth. I'll give you another, another thing. They say the water, getting water into Laodicea, there was no place to really get water. They had to pump it in from somewhere else. And this is amazing. If y'all go back and look at this, pull, pull it up on the internet and watch a video, video on it. It's really interesting. They had to pump water, and they, they actually made their own pipes. I, I don't remember. I can't really explain to you. But they've actually got, like, pieces of pipe that are still sitting there. No telling how old these things are. Where they had built a, a, an aqueduct, I think is what they call it, 
because uh, they had to they had to go you know they couldn't go underground with it it had to be up they didn't have no pumps so they had to use gravity in their favor and th that's the way they got water into some of these places well Laodicea's water like if they dug a well there the water wasn't any good and uh, I don't guess there was any streams or creeks or anything there wasn't really anything they could pull it from so they had to build an aqueduct into the city and they had it pumped in from another city but the water they say even even at that the water that they would pump in there uh, by the time it got there the water was so far away by the, by the time it got there a lot of times it wasn't fit to use they would have to boil it or whatever they had to prepare it but anyway it just really wasn't a good quality water bottled water would have been hot in Laodicea it would have been you know a hot commodity um, but anyway the water wasn't no count but then if you go to uh, uh, Colossae uh, where the, Paul wrote the the member of the book of Colossians, Paul wrote a wrote a uh, letter to them to the Colossians, city of Colossae. They were known for really really cold water. I'm thinking about like uh, a mountain stream, you know, coming off the side of a mountain. You go over and you take a bottle, you know, and you fill it up, and I mean it's just like it's been it's almost frozen, just cold, crisp, clean, just awesome water. Uh, we got some awesome water at our house. We have got a really 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 good well and there, there just ain't nothing tastes like the water that we have at our house I don't know what it is it's got a sweet taste I would we'll probably find out later we've been being poisoned and uh, but anyway but it, it just tastes really good but this uh, Colossae was known for that cold water and then there was another city called Hierapolis Hierapolis I think is how you pronounce it and they were known for their hot springs and uh, uh, both both two popular sources of water obviously for the right thing uh, but Laodicea didn't have any good water and I just thought that was interesting um, God said give, give me the cold springs of Colossia or of Colossae or give me the hot springs of Hierapolis uh, I'll probably find out later y'all look that up and see how much I butchered that word Hierapolis but anyway um, give me give me one of those but don't give me give me what you got what you got to offer is bitter it's tainted and it ain't no good. That's what indifference, that's the kind of taste indifference leaves in the mouth of God. He said, I'll spew you out of my mouth. He says, because thou sayest, now this is the attitude, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Is that not America today? I don't need church, preacher. I've got everything. Even people today that claim to be poor, our poorest people in this church, you've got more than a bunch of people. I'm talking about millions and millions and maybe billions of people. The poorest family in America has more than billions of other people in the world have. We have so much, folks. And that's the attitude we have. Uh, people today, they're increased with goods. They're doing just fine without God, they think. They're doing just fine without church. We've got everything we need. We got money. We got barns with all of our stuff. Matter of fact, we may have to build some more barns to store stuff in. Amen. We, we've got, we're just running over with goodness. And oh, I believe in God, preacher, but I really don't have time. You see, I got, I got all this other stuff I got to do, and uh, I, just don't, I just don't really need any more blessings. I'm just overflowing right now. And so I'm doing fine. I, I love God. I believe in God. But uh, and that's what some of them will tell you. But I don't really have time for him. That was the members, the people of the church of Laodicea. Maybe they went on Sunday morning just to soothe their conscience. But they really didn't have any dedication for God. They were just kind of floating along. Kind of like the church today. No real dedication. No real commitment. Not really interested in pushing forward. Now, you got an opportunity to to do something to better your income or whatever oh we'll push for that we'll push for that but when it comes to doing for God there's, there wasn't any real push there's not really any real push today to do something for God we're satisfied because we have need of nothing we, get, we're, we, we have plenty I've got everything I want I can't really push my heart to do that but now if your child decides to play baseball or something and he's really good oh you'll let him join the travel team and you'll put yourself out for that and you'll, you'll let him uh, go, go all over the place. You, you'll have all these weekend trips, and you'll never have any time for God. You'll push for that. People will push for that. But when it comes to the things of God, 
there's no real push. That's Laodicea. That was this church, and that's the church of today for the most part. Not every church, not every person, but I'm telling you, there's a lot of that today, folks. Uh, churches like this are becoming far and few between. Churches like Victory Baptist Church in Shelbyville are becoming far and few between. Even Temple over here, they're becoming far and few between. There's very few churches today. There's a few in every, every little area, but they're dwindling away. Lackadaisical attitude, indifference has destroyed them or is destroying them. I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. And he said, you know not that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You think you got everything, but you really don't have anything. Because when you compare what you got in the world to what you could have had if you'd have sold out for me, you're going to stand before me one of these days and you're going to say, man, I wish I'd have given more to God. I wish I'd have sold out to God. I wish I hadn't have chased after the dollar. I wish I hadn't have chased after the things of the world. I wish I'd have sold out to God more than what I did. God's just trying to tell them to wake up. You're just floating through life spiritually. You need to wake up. He says, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire. You see, there's gold, and then the gold tried in the fire is like the purest gold. Uh, the Bible says that there's going to be a gold in heaven that you can, like, see through. Now, I can't even imagine that. It's, the Bible says, talks about the streets of gold. It says they were like of transparent gold. Transparent means you can see through it. You can tell that it's gold, but it's like you can see through it. Miss Karen, can you imagine that? I mean, that's just amazing. Uh, but, see, there's gold, and then there's God's gold. You say, well, God's going to give us gold? No, God's got things way more valuable than gold. But I, what I'm trying to show you tonight is that's the mammon money, gold, uh, dollars, uh, things. That's what man is enamored with today and all of those things are going to pass away and the only thing that's going to matter is what you did for God. God created those things. You think you can give God? So, well, I'm, I'm a, I know I please God because I, I give him a lot of money. We give him paper. Now, it takes money to get by. I'm thankful that we have people that tithe and give offerings. I do that. I think God blesses it. But folks, if you never gave a cent to God, it wouldn't change your salvation one way or the other. Amen. I'm glad people want to give. I'm glad they want to give. It takes money to do things, and I believe God blesses those that give. But if you think it's just about the giving, and you, you think that you're just charting up God's favor by just giving money, you've got the wrong idea about God. You're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind. You don't know the truth. You're naked. What does he mean by naked? Now, I think we could look at this two different ways. Worldly people, even worldly Christians, the closer you get to the world, the more you start dressing like the world. The more you start acting like the world. You want to listen to the world's music. You want to do the things of the world. You want to go and, and watch the world's uh, motion pictures. You want to do all this stuff. And some of that there's nothing wrong with. But people that are living in the middle just kind of floating along Christians, they don't have any spiritual discernment. And so they'll fall for anything that comes along. They don't realize the danger that they're in. They're blind. They're spiritually blind and they're naked. What do you mean, Brother Jeff? They're naked. Um, if you don't want to think about the clothing part, now I believe he hits that too a little bit. I believe he's kind of on both of those things. Um, because if you look around today, people have more respect today for a funeral home than to do a church house. You go to a funeral and buddy everybody, now they may not have a suit and a tie on, but whatever the best thing is that they've got in their closet, they're going to wear it to a funeral. But the best thing in the church today that, you know, you think, well, just give God your best. No matter what it is, give God your best. Why people come to church and it don't matter how they come. And then they get mad when somebody says something about it. How you dress when you come to church says a lot about what you think about God. 
And again, I, you know, we don't have no dress code. I ain't told nobody what. Now, you come in here. I say we don't have a dress code. Here we go again. I talk about standards. Yeah, I guess we do to a certain extent. You ladies come in here in a bikini next week, and I'm going to send you home. Amen. Um, and shame on you guys for letting them out of the house if that's where they come. Amen. <laughs> They'll think we got a new promotion going on next week. It won't be a good one, though. Um, but he says um, I counsel thee to buy of me gold tried in the fire what's he talking about spiritual things get, get something that's worth something get, get your bible out and put something that's worth something in your life it's worth something in your mind uh, do something for Christ do something for somebody uh, leave things better than you left them for somebody else amen uh, show a Show a Christian attitude and leave a Christian heritage for your kids. Amen. Uh, do, do something, leave something behind that actually means something. So I'm going to leave them behind money. Well, that's fine. Uh, you, the Bible, I think the Bible does say, he says you should leave your children's children an inheritance. But he's not just talking about money. Leave them something besides money. Leave them a Christian heritage behind. That's a very important thing. He says that thou mayest be rich. They said we're already rich. Jesus says no you're not. You're poor and you're blind. That thou mayest be rich. And notice what he says. And white raiment that thou mayest be clothed. Now I think primarily I told you earlier. I think you know you look at the way people dress today. You go to a new age church somewhere. And there's some, some people are dressed you know modest, decent or whatever. And then some of them aren't. Uh, there's not really any code there. There's not really any just come as you are kind of thing. Uh, and some of them, I, I know a lot of these people, and a lot of them love the Lord, and they just don't know any better. Uh, but when you know better and you don't tell somebody something, see, if you get mad at me for teaching you something from the Bible, then there's something wrong with you. There's not anything wrong with me. If I teach you about dress and then you say, well, I don't believe that or I don't like that. I'm going to dress the way I want to. You're not telling me that. You're telling God that is what you're doing. So, you know, don't get mad at me for preaching the word. But I believe what he's talking about here is a spiritual thing. He says you're naked. In other words, uh, you don't have anything spiritual to clothe you with as you go through this life. You don't have any protection. Uh, we wear clothes to protect us from the elements. Of course, we wear them to cover ourselves up too, uh, to be modest and everything. Uh, even the most worldly Christian knows that he can't go into work naked. He's got to put some clothes on, amen? Uh, you know, even the most worldly person in the world knows that. You don't have to be a Christian to understand that. But we wear clothes to cover ourselves, but we also wear it to protect ourselves from the elements. If it's cold, you're going to put on more clothes. Uh, you're going to put on some stuff to protect you. He says, you don't have any clothing, though, to cover yourself. You're walking around naked. In other words, you have no spirituality. You're supposed to be a child of God. This is the church. You're supposed to be a child of God, and you have no spiritual covering for yourself because you're just kind of floating through life, just floating along, not really learning anything from God, getting just enough of the world. You know, you want to keep the best of both worlds, just kind of floating along. That's the church today. No spiritual clothing. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. People don't even realize that they're not spiritual anymore. A lot of people don't even realize what spirituality is anymore. I'll tell you what spirituality is. It's the stuff that we preach on here all the time. It's going to church when the doors are open. It's picking up your Bible every day and reading the Bible. It's praying. Praying for each other. Praying for yourself. Praying for your preacher. Your preacher needs it worse than anybody. Amen. Everybody can say amen there, right? And, uh, but anyway, it's, it's doing those things. It's uh, winning the lost or at least handing tracts out to them or telling people about Jesus. That's what it is. That's spirituality. <coughs> it's in the way that you dress. It's in your modesty. It's in your mouth, your speech. It's the way you handle people or don't handle them. Amen. Uh, some of us not good at handling them. Uh, but anyway, it, it's the way that you do those things. That's spirituality. And some of those things are going to make some people mad when you teach them to them. But the ones that want to learn, the ones that love God, they want that. They want that. They want to be helped. But there's a lot of people today that don't. 
and the shame of their nakedness appears. They have no spiritual clothing. They have no spiritual walk with God. They have a, a, a Bible says, a, a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof, Bible says. And that the shame of thy nakedness do not appear. And he says, anoint thy, thine eyes with eye salve. Now, how interesting. Here was a city, as I mentioned to you earlier, it had a renowned school of medicine that was known for this powder for weak and sick eyes. And yet God says, anoint thine eyes with eye salve. In other words, you can't, you can't say you think you got the eye thing figured out. You got this medicine that, that helps people's eyes heal them and you can't even see yourself. You're blind. Isn't that interesting? I like how God, when you start looking at these things, that's just, God has a way of just, I mean, he just sticks it to them. He says that thou mayest see. In other words, you can't see. You think you can see, but you can't see. You're blind. You've rejected the things that would make you see. They were miserable, poor, blind, naked. But God offers spiritual substitutes that would get them out of their lukewarm status. He says, buy of me gold tried in the fire. I would say that's uh, Jesus and wisdom. Get you some Jesus and then get you some wisdom to go along with it. How can I have wisdom, Brother Jeff? Well, I'd ask God for wisdom. I ask God for wisdom all the time. And then get in this Bible. Get into it deep. Get into it like you would uh, into something like your favorite hobby. Get into it and make it part of your world. Make it part of your life. Devote some time to God, and God will give you wisdom. If you ask him for it, he'll give it to you. He says he'll give it to you liberally. We ask God for a lot of other things. Have you ever asked God for wisdom? If you do, he'll give it to you. He says, if you seek me, you can find me if you do it with all your heart. Not half-heartedly, not lukewarm, but with all your heart. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Who do you think he does that through? He does it through the preacher. He does it through the preacher. He does. God don't speak in an audible voice. Now, yeah, he'll do it when you pick up the Bible and read it too. But the Bible says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And so when you get mad at the preacher for telling the truth, you're just cutting your nose off spite your face. What you ought to do is, is go to God and say, God, Brother Jeff really stepped on my toes today and he made me mad, but I know that he must be telling me something that I needed to hear. Now show me what it is, God. Or you do that, it's a, I ain't coming back there no more. I'm gone. I'm quitting. Well, that ain't going to get you nowhere. Now, if the, if the preacher gets up here, whether it's me or somebody down the road, they get up here and they start preaching heresy or he walks up in the pulpit with an NIV Bible, close your Bible and hit the door. Or get rid of that preacher, one of the two. But if he's telling you the truth, you ought to appreciate that. Many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. In other words, he's not telling you to confess all of your sins. He's telling you to turn around. He's telling you to, to uh, you know, like David said, uh, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. That's what he's saying. I don't know how many times a week, maybe even sometimes in a day, that I do that. Because I need it, because my heart gets dirty, black, cold. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Now he say, well, here we go. There's salvation. He's, he's knocking at the heart's door of all the people. No, well, the way I picture this is the church was so out of step with God, they were just kind of floating along, like I said. They were so out of step with God that it was like God wasn't even in the church anymore. And Jesus is on the outside. And we got the doors locked and we're having service. And we, we claim to be worshiping God. And Jesus is on the outside saying, let me in. Let me in. That's silly, Brother Jeff. No, it's not. 
That's real. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and will sup with him. The problem with most churches today is they're not supping with him. Uh, sup is just another word for it's like sitting down for a meal and, and uh, eating and fellowshipping together. Uh, I will sup with him. We're not really fellowshipping with God. We're not really eating at the table of God. Amen? We're not eating at that table like we ought to. It says, and he with me. He says, to him that overcometh. By the way, that's the saved. If you're saved, you will overcome. Amen? He's not talking about, well, you know, when you... I'll hold out until the end, until the end of the tribulation period, and then if I can do that and... Uh, and uh, not take the mark of the beast, I'll be saved. No, that's not, that's not it at all. If you're saved, you're going to be gone in the next chapter. <laughs> amen. That's something to say amen about. <laughs> to him that overcometh, though him that is saved, will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I also overcame. See, we overcame when we got saved. We became overcomers when we got saved. Jesus overcame sin, death, and the grave. Amen. That's the gospel. And am set down with my father in his throne. So he, he told us the, how to get rid of the lukewarm. Gold tried in the fire, that's Jesus in wisdom. White raiment, that's Jesus in righteousness. And eye salve, that's Jesus in spiritual vision. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. We're in the Laodicean church age, the rule of the people. They don't want to listen to God. They want to rule their own spirit. They don't want to listen to the preacher. They want to rule their own spirit and do their own thing. Don't let that become you. Let's let Mercy Baptist Church be different. Let's stand up and stand out for Jesus. Amen. Amen. We'll be dismissed in prayer.